Tuesday, June 11th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today from Motley Fool One, Jason Moser, and from Million Dollar Portfolio, Charlie Travers. Happy Tuesday, gentlemen. Happy Tuesday. Uh, we're going to talk uh, Apple in the wake of the Worldwide Developer Conference. Uh, some interesting news uh, with Dole Foods. That stock is shooting up today. We'll get into that as well as uh, the latest in creative food adventures. Uh, but let's start with uh, Lululemon. Uh, Lululemon's first quarter earnings came in better than expected. Uh, that's the big news, Charlie. The bigger news is that CEO Christine Day is resigning um, in a statement. She said it's the right time for a change. Uh, apparently, investors disagree because the stock was down more than 15% this morning. Uh, this seemed to be out of the blue. It seemed to be, but they had some quality control problems earlier in the year with uh, their pants actually turning out to be see-through. And it seems like she's taken the fall for that, despite what is actually a really good five-year track record at the company. Yeah, she's been there five and a half years. And, I mean, just based solely on the performance of the stock, uh, you you can't be anything but thrilled with her performance. Absolutely. Uh, Sales are up. Fivefold and profits up nine times over since she took the reins in June of 2008. Uh, and you would think, wow, you've done a bang up job. This job is yours for life if you want it. But apparently that's not the case. And it's always hard to read between the lines on a press release about a, a CEO stepping down and what that really means. Um, but my guess is that the board wasn't happy with those problems. Uh, reputational damage in a retail space like this where they got companies like Gap at Gap's Athleta brand coming at them. Uh, it's it's almost a mistake you can't afford to make. And that looks like what's the case here is at least my read on it. And, you know, we were talking earlier, Jason, uh, not just a great track record at Lululemon, but she was an executive at Starbucks for about 20 years before that. It would see, it would seem that, um, if, if there are hidden winners from this, it's retail companies that are looking to hire a new CEO <laughs> because, uh, just again, based on her track record, Christine Day is, is, uh, probably an attractive candidate for any job, but, uh, what, what did you make of the news? Well, I, yeah, I would think that. I mean, time will tell because, I mean, if she shows up at, a, at another company at some point, then, then that'll be sort of the writings on the wall there that she was not happy or there was just sort of a parting of the ways there that they had spent enough time together at Lululemon. I mean, it's, you know, I look at this and I think a couple of different things. Number one, I mean, I think being the CEO of a company, no matter what, is, is a hard job. I think a lot of people out there just think they sit in a big chair and just make a couple of phone calls every day. We know that's obviously not the case. It's, it's hard work. And I think in retail. It's probably the uh, case at a couple of places, but not a lot. Right, possibly. Yeah. <laughs> possibly. But I mean, I think in retail, retail particularly is, I think, very hard work. Uh, you mentioned her, her run at Starbucks, which was a considerable amount of time. And given what Starbucks has done, uh, that obviously kept her very busy. Um, yeah, at 51 years old, I mean, maybe she just reached a point in her life where she wanted to be able to go do other things. We just, you can't never really tell. You know, there was a situation at Panera Bread not too terribly long ago where there was a co, a co-CEO role, uh, and, and that recently came to an end where Ron Shake, the founder, uh, stepped back in to be the sole CEO, and it, it sounded like that was a situation that was, was just for personal reasons. And so sometimes they're very blunt and upfront with it, and sometimes it's, it's, you know, a little bit less, less easy to, to see, like Charlie mentioned, but, uh, yeah, I mean, they, they really need to find, obviously, a leader who's going to be able to take this company forward because it is not a product that just sells itself, I don't think. I mean, expensive yoga wear 
you got to kind of sell me on that one, Chris. Right. You know? So the problem here, this is not the only hole in the leadership at the top of this company. Uh, they're looking for senior VPs in product design and in their supply chain. Uh, so they, they have a lot of gaps, a lot of holes in the bench here, and it's not just the CEO spot they're looking to fill. And his supply chain comment there I think is important because one of the things we saw as this recall on the pants game you know, played out is that Lululemon is very dependent on a small supplier right. base. And so when you have that, I mean, that, that can be trouble for a number of different reasons. And there may have just been a situation there that, that, uh, that led to this as well. But it's, I, I would hope that investors, uh, would be keeping an eye on that, hoping that, that they can sort of diversify their supplier base a little bit more going forward. Charlie, to get back to the stock, if you just look at, the run that the company has had, the growth, even just in this latest quarter where, you know, sol- solid earnings, same store sales up 7%, it would seem like the basic underpinnings of the company are pretty strong. And if you think that's the case, then this is an opportunity to jump in when the shares are selling at a 15% discount. On the flip side, you know, you mentioned uh, Gap. I have to presume that Nike and Under Armour are looking at this yoga pants space and thinking, well, we're not just going to hand that over to anyone. No, they're not. We're, we're <laughs> going to jump into that as well. And so conceivably even more competition is coming down the line. What do you think of Lululemon, the stock right now? I think it's one of the few stocks that actually deserved the premium price it was getting because their sales per square foot in the stores are higher than just about anybody except for the Apple stores. Uh, and so I think it is worth looking at this as a buying opportunity with the shares off where they are today. Um, with the caveat, you'd sure like to see them shore up the top-level management. Yeah, sales per square foot. You're thinking Tiffany, Apple, Coach, Lululemon. Those are four yep. of the top names in there. So they, they are doing something right. Apple's Worldwide Developer Conference uh, continues throughout the week, but the big news is out, and that was uh, in the event that happened yesterday afternoon. Um, and two of the big headlines, Jason, the complete redesign of the iOS 7 interface and the uh, launch of iTunes Radio, uh, the so-called Pandora killer. Um, uh <laughs> What did you make of sort of the big news coming out of yesterday's conference? Well, there were questions about innovation, and I think that uh, Apple's marketing guy, Philip Schiller, put it bluntly, said, can't innovate anymore, my ass. Yeah. I mean, that's what he said. <laughs> Direct I mean, quote. And, and I think, actually, after this presentation, you can question that, because it, it wasn't necessarily a presentation chock full of innovation. And I think a lot of people would agree with that, because... You know, on the surface, they did some things. Charlie and I were talking about this a little bit earlier. It, you know, everything in technology changes. And so what they've done with, like, the eye operating system was fine. I mean, it's 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 something that seems like they've sort of minimalized it a little bit or whatever. But, yeah, I mean, it's, it maybe just makes it more aesthetically pleasing. But I think that, yeah, the iTunes radio product is interesting. It's not a Pandora killer in my eyes. I think it's something that complements iPhone users already. I think it's something that makes iTunes, it's sort of a value add to iTunes, and, and you can, you know, they made it very easy for you to buy a song that you're listening to on iTunes radio. So I think it's a nice little addition to, to what is becoming a better ecosystem over time. But, you know, I mean, I, I still really am wondering how they're going to infiltrate the living room. And that's the one thing that I keep on going back to, because at this point in the game now, they've, they've got the iPod, the iPhones, the iPads, and it's going to be very difficult to keep compelling people on the refreshment cycle, particularly if you're introducing these new operating systems that, that you know, work with older phones to begin with. So, yeah, I know he keeps on promising they've got, you know, lots of things in the hopper there, but but 
I didn't see it. Yeah, so iOS 7 looks like Android 2011. <laughs> Send me the hate mail, people. I can take it. Uh, this was a bad... Radio at fool.com. Yeah. We'll forward the hate mail Just to Charlie. Just away. Um, actually, this was a badly needed refresh of the mobile OS on Apple's part. It looked just like it did when they rolled out uh, five years ago. Uh, but I do think it's a step in the right direction. I think it looks great. I think the small changes they made, like with their notification center, look great. And uh, they didn't announce a whole lot of new hardware. They got the new Mac Pro Tower, which only the high-power users are ever going to see. Uh, but they did put the uh, a better MacBook Air out with the new Intel processors, where on the 13-inch version, you're going to get 12 hours of battery life, and they lowered the price. So if you're looking for one really good deal out of uh, the conference yesterday, I think those Mac Airs are a strong product. I was going to say, Intel, a little bit of a hidden winner in all of this. Absolutely. And, and, uh, and, and we saw that last week. I think it was last week or maybe the week before with the news that you know that, that that this was coming so obviously that that works out well for intel uh i like their little snub at google i was here. just gonna yeah, say yeah. a little bit of a shot yeah. at google now that that the uh siri is going to be integrated with microsoft's bing search uh, to provide search results yeah and i mean I, I think that's a big deal i mean it's it, not on the surface maybe people think ah, it's no big deal whatever i don't really use siri but but i, I do think that's the direction in which things are going and the more people use voice to search i mean the one thing that kind of tilts me on this whole search thing is that Google gets the benefit of the doubt regardless. Everybody says that Google's the king of search and it's just so great. Da, da, da. I think that's basically a default mindset. And, and I think Charlie will agree with me at least to an extent here. If you use Bing and like every once in a while I'll try Bing, I, I mean, it's a search engine, man. I can find what I'm looking for there too. It's, it's, it's not bad. So, I mean, Izzy Mac over there giving the big thumbs down. He <laughs> apparently doesn't like Bing so much. But I think that I think that you'll continue to see Apple doing this more and more. You know, we saw it with something like YouTube. Uh, they're offering their own, uh, you know, music streaming here, radio service. Uh, they're separating themselves from Google even more here with the search. Uh, and I think now the only way that that Google will be the default for searches in Safari. Uh, which by itself is a horrible browser, let's be honest. I yeah. mean, Chrome and Firefox are so much better than Safari. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll agree there. I mean, I've got Chrome and, and you know, my phone and iPad and, and, uh, so maybe they could, they could focus on working the, uh, working the browser, browser angle there. But I, I do think it's interesting to see how they, they work to continue separating themselves more and more from, from, uh, the likes of Google and, which is their arch enemy at this point. Yeah, absolutely. So are we now back to the point we were at? Maybe at the beginning of the year, where for Apple and for either shareholders or potential shareholders, it is now all about the next device. That this, that, you know, for, for a while now, it seemed like there was a lot of focus on this conference and what they were going to be rolling out. And certainly, uh, at least in terms of the financial media coverage, a lot of focus on, uh, the radio and the, you know, the, the streaming music and the deals with Warner and Sony and all that sort of thing. But it seems like now we've hit the reset button and now we are back to in terms of Apple. Okay. When is the next device coming? And with Tim Cook saying things like we have more game changers, that's, that's sort of a bed that he has made for his company. Is that, is that fair or am I, or am I way off base here? I, I think it's fair. I think when they launched the iPhone 5, it didn't get quite the buzz that prior phones had got. And I think part of the reason is that while the screen was made a little taller, they're still not matching where the rest of the world is going with a wider device. That's almost a tablet size, mini tablet size, so to speak. I, I think they would do well to get a bigger phone out this fall. Yeah, the other thing that you have to remember too is the longer that 
Cook continues to say, oh, we've got lots of great ideas in the hopper. We just don't worry. The longer he strings that out, the greater our expectations. It's got to come by this holiday season. And, if you've got a cool new gadget, yeah. you've got to have it out by Black Friday. Well, and that's just it. But, I mean, he's stringing this thing out so long that they better bring the heat because if, if it's not compelling – that's going to be a big problem. If it's 2015, he's like, oh, we got great stuff we're working on. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the hurdle just gets that I, much I was going to say, I don't know if day. he's around in 2015 if, if we have to wait another year and a half. Um, shares of Dole Foods up more than 21% this morning after getting an, an unsolicited buyout offer from David Murdoch. David Murdoch is the CEO. Uh, he is also, uh, how should I put this? He's 90 years old, Charlie. <laughs> What does a 90-year-old CEO need with uh, taking his company private? I'm mystified by this. I'd never heard of the guy until this morning when we were kicking this around. Now I'm just fascinated by David Murdoch. It's it's been a heck of a year for Dole. Uh, They sold off their worldwide packaged food business, which means if you go to the frozen juice aisle and you see uh, grape juice with a Dole label, or if you are in the canned fruit section and you see like little pineapple chunks of Dole, they sold all that off. They don't own that anymore. Uh, they sold off their Asian businesses and they did, they got $1.7 billion in return. All they own now is if you go into the produce section of the store and you see strawberries and bananas with Dole labels. That's what this company is at this point. Uh, and so they took all that money, paid off a lot of their debt, and the idea was it, it did look like they're grooming this for a sale um, because I thought this would be a natural fit for a private equity buyer to come in. Dole is a great brand. They're number sure. one position in a lot of fruits and vegetables. Uh, I did not expect a 90-year-old CEO to be the buyer, uh, to, to, to your point. Uh, uh, it is interesting that the stock is trading at, uh, last I looked, 1236, which is above the $12 he offers. The market's saying a better offer is coming along. And I think that makes a lot of sense given, uh, the brand and the market position here. Am I right that he owns 40% of the company right now? 40%. So it, I, I get that the market thinks that a better offer is coming, but if he owns 40%, and he's looking to take the company private, that that smacks of a guy who really just wants his own company. He's not interested in selling it. He's already got more money than he can spend in his lifetime. And by the way, he's 90 years old. Um, but he, he and has a billionaire got, already. Yeah, he's already yeah. a billionaire. He's, he's also gone on record as saying that he's aiming to be 125. And apparently he is very focused on a healthy lifestyle and all that sort of thing. Maybe but he figured out the so far. the secret. You know, I mean, uh, maybe, but I, 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 I think this is one way of putting the company in play. You know, I'm going to bid 12. Uh, you know, if you're a PE firm and you want, I mean, it's not that big a company. It's only a billion dollar market cap. Right. It's easy for somebody to buy this if you are an institution. Uh, and I think it's putting the company up for sale. And I think a better offer will come along. If you are... A competitor, if you're Chiquita or Del Monte or something like that, I mean, Dole's already, as you put it, they're already the market leader. Does Dole get even stronger as a private company, do you think? Uh, no, no, I, I think they, well, one advantage is you get to do your own thing and nobody sees right. the moves you're making. Um, but yeah, it, it's a consolidated space. There's not a whole lot of players. We will continue to watch it. Um, we will stick with food uh, and wrap up. Uh, Charlie Bogosian is the chef behind Chicken Charlie's. Uh, we've talked about Chicken Charlie's in the past. Uh, this is the California-based company that uh, is behind the deep-fried Oreo and the deep-fried Kool-Aid that came out at the San Diego County Fair. I think it was either last year or the year before. <laughs> yes. Um, uh, now... 
Chicken Charlie's has come out with the Krispy Kreme Sloppy Joe. I think it's fair to say that we were unanimous on our reaction to the Krispy Kreme Sloppy Joe sandwich, which was one of mild disgust. Yes. Um, we're, we're all carnivores. We all love a good donut. And yet this was something we we're like, oh, oh. It's a non-starter. Gosh, what are you doing? Not even yeah. as a curiosity. I, I don't even know where to begin. I mean, it's like <laughs> the cheese and the sloppy Joe, and the, I just don't know why you would put that on a donut. I mean, uh, the I, the, see, the unmentioned thing is he's selling bottles of Pepto Bismol right beside it for <laughs> ten bucks a pop. Maybe that's the money maker. I love the Krispy Kreme uh, issued an official statement saying that that this product is in no way created, endorsed, or marketed by Krispy Kreme Donuts. Um, I, you know, I, again, we've talked about this before. It seems like there are food items that can be created as a curiosity. We, you know, the bacon sundae may be a good example of that uh, at Burger King. And hey, if it gets people talking and it gets a few additional people through the door for a seasonal product, great. But then every once in a while, lightning strikes and you get the Doritos Locos Taco. Yep. And it's not just a new item that's a curiosity. It is a staggeringly big money maker and it radically changes your business here's an idea that i think could work as a guy who likes fried chicken and waffles if you slice the crispy cream donut in half put some fried chicken maybe a little bit of honey in there i think that's superior to the sloppy joe donut so you're so you're yeah i'm, I'm gonna offer i'm gonna top his idea with my idea and you're, wow. th- you're thinking Krispy cream should go for it and Krispy cream should in, should endorse that product yeah, maybe with kfc all right, I'm going to go in the opposite opposite uh, direction here. It's not going to be really geared towards any sweets, but I did eat at a Chick-fil-A on Saturday. Okay. And so what I would love is if you could get a Chick-fil-A sandwich where the bread was actually a big waffle fry. Okay. So now you have your sandwich with that. waffle fries instead of the bun. So waffle fries, chicken sandwich with the pickle. I mean, Chick-fil-A is really good stuff. Their waffle fries are second to none. It's a health-conscious group here. <laughs> yeah, I'm more of a uh, more of a. We are we are no David Murdoch. More of a live to eat guy, Chris. <laughs> we will end there. Jason Moser, Charlie Travers, thanks for being here. Thank you. Thanks. As always, people on the program may have interests in the stocks they talk about, if not the food that they actually consume, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. Our producer is Matt Greer. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. I think it's because of us that all these defibrillators were put in the office. It's like, I've been listening to that show. I'm worried about these guys. Yeah. Let's just quietly put this on the wall. I noticed that. And not say why. I'm like, why are the, why are these devices? Oh, well, maybe that's it. Yeah. yeah. Chris, clear.